Well, we have been talking about supernatural acceleration now for several weeks, and I want to continue with it today. And unless the Lord says differently, I think maybe this might be where we finish up on this particular subject for now. I say that with a little asterisk by it because anything can change. We just want to flow with the Holy Spirit. But has anybody gotten anything good out of these last few weeks of church besides me? Because I'm loving it. I hope you are, but I'm loving it. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And uh, I've got some good things for us today. I know the Lord wants to say some powerful things to us. So open your Bibles with me, please. If you'll find the book of Mark chapter 16. While you're looking for Mark 16, I'm going to ask them to put Amos chapter 9 verse 13 on the screen. And this has been the foundation text for this series on supernatural increase. And if you haven't been with us so far for any of this and some of it's new to you, I encourage you go to our YouTube channel, go to our website. All the messages are there. They're free. Get caught up with us and feed on these things and they'll be a blessing to you. Praise you, Lord. Amos chapter 9 verse 13. And we'll have this on the screen for you. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. The message Bible makes it even more clearly, to, puts it more clearly to me. It says it like this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. It's one thing if I stand here and say it. It's another thing if God says it. It won't be long now. Whose decree? God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. Listen to that part again. One thing fast on the heels of the other. I want that phrase to really stand out to you today. I want to spend some time talking about that. And I want these words to paint pictures for us. One thing fast on the heels of the other. Sarah mentioned a few moments ago that our brother Jordan, who you know is our worship leader, uh, a few weeks ago injured himself and ruptured his Achilles heel. And we had been in this series uh, several weeks at that point. And he so blessed me because just, I don't know, 24 hours or so after he did that and had to do all the medical procedures to take care of it and all that. He told us, he, had been, he went straight back to this word and he said, that's my word. One thing, fast on the heels. <laughs> and man, that blessed me. That's when the word of God becomes a living word to you. Man, when you can see it and you think, you, you read something over and over, maybe even hundreds of times, but it takes the Holy Spirit to illuminate something you've seen again and again in a brand new way. And he grabbed a hold of that word. And I know he would appreciate you adding your faith to ours and the prayers that we've already prayed. Guess what he's believing God for? Some supernatural acceleration. Can you add faith to us and our family for that? We will have it, glory to God. And then we're already having it. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You ever heard anybody use that expression before, hot on the heels? Well, what does that mean? It means something happened, and then almost before that could even finish happening, the next thing was happening, and the next thing was coming. Fast on the heels. 
he went on to say, you won't be able to keep up. Somebody say, yes, Lord. <laughs> Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, what? Blessings. Blessings everywhere you look. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and, he and hills. <laughs> Almost said heels, but that too. <laughs> and I just feel so bad with, for people that live in Texas because it's so flat and they don't have any mountains to look at and they just have to imagine when they read scriptures like this. But you and I are surrounded by mountains. We're, we're surrounded by hills and all we have to do is look out the window and we can imagine what the Spirit of God wants to do. Blessings flowing off these mountains. And I love right where we're situated here, like down in this valley and you look up that way and there's just thousands of feet of mountains that, that rise up above us. And you look out this way and another couple of thousand feet of mountains that rise up above us. And I am busy imagining it with, with everything I got right now. Blessings just flowing down those mountains and overtaking us in this place. Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. It's happening. Thank you, Lord. It is happening. One thing fast on the heels of the other. Go to Mark chapter 16. Did you find that? Mark chapter 16, and we'll look at verse 20. And this is the very end of this book of Mark. And what has just taken place is Jesus has just given his disciples that commission to go. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Go preach, he said. And he talked about the authority that had been given to him. And he talked to, to them about the signs that would follow the preaching of the word, that would, that would happen for those who believed the word. And he said, you're going to cast out demons. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to, be, they're going to recover. You're going to speak with new tongues. He said, all of this would happen as you go preach the word. And we see what happened in verse 20 after Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, and they went out and preached everywhere. Notice this, the Lord working with them. Now that word them is in italics in, your, in many of your Bibles, which means that word was put there by the translators. It wasn't in the original text. I'm not saying it's a bad translation, but just take it out and listen to what it says. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word. The Lord working with the word and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, there's two phrases I want you to pay close attention to. And if you're taking notes, you can write them down or mark them in your Bible. Notice, first of all, this phrase, the Lord working with. And again, the translators added the word them, which is, again, it's not, a, it's not bad. And I don't believe it changes the verse, but we do have to work to understand it. This phrase, the Lord working with. When you look it up, it's one word in the Greek. That whole phrase, the Lord working with, is one word, and it's the word synergeo. Synergeo. It's a word that means to be a fellow worker, to cooperate, or to help, or to work with, or to work together. Synergeo, to work together. Do you hear a word in that Greek word that we have? What do you hear? Synergy. This is where we get the word synergy. And if you look deep within the word synergy, what, uh, what word do you hear inside that one? Energy. You hear energy. 
Now, the prefix sin, S-Y-N, not S-I-N, <laughs> S-Y-N, is a prefix that if you look it up, it literally means together. Now, you've got a certain amount of energy. You've got, a, you've got a certain amount of power that you on your own can produce. But synergy is when I bring the power that I have and I put it together with the power that you have. And now we're accomplishing more than either one of us could on our own. But notice the, the synergistic power we're talking about here. We're not talking about your pl power plus my power. We're talking about the Lord working with. Working with them. The Lord working with the word. So you've got your power, but then he adds his. You know what this makes me think of? It makes me think of this time in John chapter 6 when the disciples were out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and there was a great windstorm that was blowing against them. Now, if you hadn't been with us, let me catch you up. We've been talking about this very thing for weeks now because these guys were out there in the middle of that lake rowing, rowing, rowing hard against the wind. And how far did they make it? Well, the Bible tells you, three or four miles. Do a little study, you'll find out that's about halfway. They made it about halfway after hours and hours and hours on their own, rowing against the wind, bringing all their power, right? But who remembers what happened? In the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water to them. And they, first they thought it was a ghost. Then he said, hey, it's me, don't worry about it. And then they willingly received him into the boat. But as soon as he got into the boat, what happened? Immediately, I need to hear you say it. Immediately, they were at the other side where they were going. What happened? Synergy. Only this kind of synergy wasn't Jesus getting in the boat saying, hey, you guys got an extra oar? Let me row with you here. And you know what? If he had might have shaved a couple of minutes off their time. But this synergy was not human power plus more human power. This synergy was all the work they had already brought and then the Lord working with them. And the result was what? Huh? More power? The result was way more power than what just you or I could put together. The result was so much power that it, it manifested in a supernatural law that broke every natural law, and they were there immediately. Acceleration. The Lord working with them. So this phrase, the Lord working with them, meaning synergeo, synergy, this working together. But I want you to notice this other phrase in this verse. Look at it again, Mark chapter 16. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. If you're looking at a King James Bible and others that might say through signs following, accompanying or following. Now this word, accompanying or following, is this other Greek word, and I'm going to sound super smart, epakalutheo. You're impressed, aren't you? Epakalutheo. You're like, oh, pastor, I didn't know you spoke Greek. Like as of yesterday afternoon, I now speak this word, apokalutheo. Now this word apokalutheo 
is two Greek words, and another prefix here, epi. And this word epi literally means over or upon or right up against. It's a word, it's a positioning word. It's a positioning word that describes the position of something. It's, it's, it's something that's either over it or, or upon it or, I like this one, right up against it. And then you add this other word to it, apokalutheo, and that is the word that means to follow. It's a word that means, um, well, it's the word that was used to describe the disciples. When Jesus introduced himself to them and said, come, follow me, apokalutheo me, come, follow me. But when you put these two words together, epi and this other one, it doesn't just mean follow, it means follow closely. It means follow right up against. Now there's a, a phrase that's been popularized in the church over the last few years. Sometimes, you know, we gotta laugh at ourselves. When I say ourselves, I mean Christian people. We say some funny stuff, don't we? We speak sometimes in a language that people have no idea what we're saying. And we, we take it upon ourselves sometimes to change our vocabulary because we want other people to understand what we're saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but have you noticed that some people have ditched the word Christian in exchange for the phrase Christ follower? It just sounds good, doesn't it? I'm a Christ follower. Oh, you mean Christian? Yeah. Christ follower. And it's a good thing. I'm not knocking it. It's a good thing to be a Christ follower. But there's another question that you should be asking. Either yourself. Well, let's just leave it at that. Just ask yourself. If you're a Christ follower, that's good. The next question is, how closely? Because you can follow. You can follow from a mile away. Huh? You could say, hey, you go on ahead I'll be there in a few hours. Are you following them? Yeah, but not real close. So is it a good thing to be a Christ follower? Of course it is, but what's the next question? How close? How close are you following? I like the way David said it. My soul follows hard after you. Doesn't that paint a picture for you? Kind of paints a picture for me like God's walking and David is so close behind him that if God were just to stop for a second, David probably bump into, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I bumped into you there for a second. Following close, following hard after him. I was meditating on this yesterday, actually late last night, laying in bed, this is before we turned out the light, Sarah's on her side, she's studying, I'm on my side, just thinking, praying, studying, thinking about this. I was like, Lord, I need an example of this. What's an illustration of it? And I just started laughing out loud. And Sarah said, what are you laughing at? I said, I got it. I figured it out. I know the example. And I was explaining to her what I was thinking about. And the, the perfect example is our dog. <laughs> we have a 75-pound golden doodle named Gunner. And this dog is a follower. Now, he used to do this to me until I had a talk with him. I would get up and leave a room. Now we have wood floors in our house and his little nails would tap, 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 tap on the wood floor. And he was always right behind me. Always. One day I even got a video of it. 
I, I got my phone out and on selfie mode, just videoed him, and I'd stop, and he'd stop. And I'd go, and he'd go. And I'd turn around and surprise him, and he'd act like he wasn't following me. <laughs> and it's fine, except that noise, the tap, 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 tap. I couldn't take the noise, and so I talk to Gunnar sometimes like he's a human, and like he's good to talk about it. I said, bro, listen, you gotta stop, man. I can't deal with the noise. I'm not going anywhere. I think that's what he's concerned about. Where are you going? I want to go. Are we going outside? Let's go outside. That sounds like fun. You want to go outside? No, I'm not going outside. Okay, that's fine. We don't have to go outside. Where do you want to go? I'll go. Let's go. You want to go to the kitchen? Oh, I love the kitchen. Let's go to the kitchen. And I was like, bro, you got to quit. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to that room. Just go sit down. And we had this conversation over and over and over until for the most part, he stopped following me. But he loves Sarah. That dog follows hard after Sarah. And wherever she goes in our house, from the time she lets him out in the morning, which is also a funny thing within itself. Because when she and I get up, you know, so you're waking up, you're still a little sleepy, and she comes, she gives me a hug. Hey, good morning. Hey, how are you? I always know when she's got Gunner out, though, because she opens the door and is like, hey, buddy. Good morning, handsome. I'm like, are you talking to me? No? Oh, Gunner? Okay. It's fine. No, it's fine. He, you know, it's, it's fine. And from that moment until we put him away at night, he follows hard after her and he goes wherever she goes. He goes wherever she goes and he will not leave her alone into our room. And she shuts the bathroom door, but I'm, he's just like right there waiting for her. She's like, come out, please come out, come, please come out, please. And as soon as she comes out, he's like hot on her heels. Did you catch that? Hot on her heels. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, you and I should follow Jesus like Gunnar follows Sarah. There's probably a scripture for that somewhere, but just take my word for it. Following closely. But do you notice in this verse, what he's talking about following, he said those signs are going to follow and those signs are going to confirm the word. And how, when are they going to follow? Hot on the heels. See, we've been talking about acceleration. And what the Holy Spirit is endeavoring to get us to do is increase and up our expectation not expecting things to just take a long time, not expecting our faith to take years and years and years and years to become sight. Now, we're willing to stand, aren't we? We are willing to stand all the way to the end. And we don't care how long it takes. But the expectation is what I'm talking about. We're talking about developing an expectation that the Spirit of God and the Word of God will produce and begin to move in our lives. And those things we release faith for, we see them. We experience them. We encounter them in a new way. Amen? Actually expecting these things to take place in an accelerated way. Well, listen, this is the way God always intended it. Jesus told them, go preach. So they went and preached. And what happened? The Lord worked with this synergistic power, working with the word and confirming the word with signs 
that came six to eight weeks later? With signs that came 10 to 12 years later? Signs that followed epic, ep, ep, that one word, <laughs> right now. They follow the preaching of the word. They follow how? Closely, hot on the heels. So get the picture. These guys go out and preach. They preach the word. They preach Jesus Christ is the son of God, crucified, buried, and risen again. And what happened immediately? Signs, wonders, miracles. The same stuff that happened in Jesus' ministry happened in them, happened for them. Why? Because there's some synergistic power it's not just these guys standing up there preaching under their own power. It's not just these guys in their own power trying to operate in ministry. The Lord is working with. Now, he is working with them preaching. Notice it didn't say they went home and laid on the couch and the Lord working with their laziness caused signs. and what. No, they stepped out by faith. They launched out and began to preach the word. And the Lord said, I can work with that. I can work with that. And he added his super to their natural. And it produced something. And when did it produce it? Right away, right away. Preaching signs, preaching signs, preaching wonders, preaching miracles to the point where they just expected it. Why aren't we expecting it? Why have we convinced ourselves that our prayer of faith, that our stand of faith, that the preaching of the word that we sit under and we receive is right, it's good, it's God, and hopefully someday it'll produce something. That's not the way God intended this. You go back to the beginning, and he said, you go preach, and I'll work with you. You declare the word, and I'll work with you, and I'll work with the word, my word, that's coming out of your mouth. Say amen if you believe this. Amen. The Bible says in the message translation of, the, of this verse, then the master Jesus, <laughs> I like this, after briefing them, was taken up to heaven. He sat down beside God in the place of honor and the disciples went everywhere preaching, the master working right with them, listen to this word, validating the message with indisputable evidence. Important thing to make note of here is what's he validating? Not the preacher. Who's he confirming? Not the preacher. Why do I have to say this? Because we have such a tendency I've done it, you've done it, we all have. To see something good and something God happen, and immediately we look to that preacher. We look to that man or woman of God who the Lord used to work it through, and we think that's a validation and a confirmation of them. It's not. It is a confirmation of his word. Signs, wonders, and miracles, what do they prove? Well, many people would say they prove the existence of God. It proves, these miracles prove the sovereignty of God. To that I say wrong. Signs, wonders, and miracles prove the validity of the word. A sign is just something that points, right? And what is the sign? Somebody receives healing miraculous. Well, that's a sign. But what is that sign pointing at? Well, you know, it ain't pointing to the preacher. I feel like I need to say that again. You know, it's not pointing to the preacher. So it would be a waste of time 
to exalt that preacher. Thank God for them. Yes, we thank God for preachers. I, I agree. I'm thankful for the men and women of God that he used in our lives to bring us the word. Absolutely. Have the utmost respect for them. But God's not confirming them. He's confirming his word. The glory goes to his word. The attention goes to his word. The praise and the honor goes where? To his word. To his word. And you think, well, it's proving the sovereignty of God. No, it's not. It's proving the validity of his word. It's proven that his word is right. It's proven that his word is real, that his word is alive. That's what these signs and wonders and miracles that follow right on the heels of the preaching, they confirm the word. The, the miracles are validation of the message. And we'll show you this in action. Mark chapter four, go there with me. Mark chapter four. Now we're going to look at several things over a couple of chapters here, but for time's sake, I'm going to have to give you just the synopsis of it. But what are we looking for? We're looking for signs that follow the word, but not just follow, follow how? Close, hot on the heels. Before you get to Mark chapter four, Jesus has already begun his ministry and there's already been uh, a few notable miracles. But you'll notice something changes here in Mark chapter 4. In this entire chapter, Jesus is preaching. So he's preaching the word, right? We know he preaches the word. And this whole chapter is the parable, or most of this chapter, much of it, is the parable, what we call the parable of the seed. So Jesus begins to preach, and he talks about the seed. He says the sower went out to sow. And he talked about how some seed fell on wayside ground and some seed fell on stony ground and other seed fell on thorny ground. And what he drew the attention to was that on all three of those grounds, the seed never produced anything. But then he said, some seed fell on good ground and it produced. It produced results. He said 30, 60, 100 fold results. Well, that's signs. That's a sign, isn't it? The seed worked. The seed is effective. The seed is powerful. Well, how, how can you prove that? Look, harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You can't argue with that. Those are results. And then privately, when his disciples were with him, they said, we need you to explain this to us. And Jesus made a comment to them about this parable. And he said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any? That's a huge statement. That should say to you that there is a master key within this parable that unlocks all of them. That's big, right? So he says, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand any of them? And then he makes this statement. Put that on the screen for us. What is it? Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Here's the big revelation right here. The sower sows the word. Let's read it out loud together. Mark 4, 14. Read it. The sower sows the word. So who is the sower? Well, in this instance, it's Jesus. He's the one sowing the word. How does he sow it? Through the preaching, through the proclaiming of the word. Jesus, the sower, sows the word. And he begins to explain that the seed he was talking about is actually the word of God. 
And he said, sometimes the seed falls on wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground. And he's explaining to them and to us that it matters what kind of ground the seed gets sown on. He answers the question for us right here, for all men, for all time, this question, why isn't it working? Jesus explained it to us. He's telling us, hey, if it's not working, here's why. Huh? I mean, why aren't we seeing these hot on the heels signs and wonders? Because we're listening to some preaching. I'm looking across this room right now. There are faces in this room I see week after week after week after week. You're hearing the word. And I know many of you are not just hearing it on Sunday. You're hearing it throughout your week. You got it playing in your home and in your car. You're feeding on it. That's what we're doing. It's playing in our house where our kids fall asleep listening to the word. We're feeding on it all the time. So what should we be seeing? We should be seeing some signs, some wonders, some miracles, some things hot on the heels of the preaching. That's how God intended this. Okay, well, let's be honest then. If we're not seeing it, we got to find out why. One of the big reasons that the body of Christ at large is not seeing these signs and wonders and are convinced that they're passed away, that that all died out with the apostles. But one of the reasons, big reasons they're not seeing it is because they're not preaching the word. You cannot just preach opinion. You cannot just preach your experience, your lack of experience, what somebody else said, and expect that God is obligated to follow that up with signs and wonders. He's not. Jesus is not obligated to work with that because he's not confirming that. He confirms what? He confirms the word. But those of us who have dedicated ourselves to the word and we've committed ourselves to, to knowing it, living by it, letting it correct us, direct us. I'm not saying we get it right every time, all the time, but our heart is for it. We should be seeing it. So Jesus is answering the question here, if you're not, here's why. Now, without going through the whole thing, I'll give you a brief explanation. He said wayside ground. Wayside ground is hard ground. Wayside ground is the ground that people and animals would walk next to the fields and that ground would get so hard that when seed would fall on it, it wasn't soft, therefore it couldn't sink in and it would just sit on top. And Jesus said, those are people who hear the word but don't understand it. Now he's not talking about grasping it mentally. To understand it means to value it. You understand how valuable it is. And if you understand how valuable it is, you honor it. You honor it. But that's even a phrase we use when we don't understand something. Well, it's just not sinking in. You ever said that? You ever heard anybody say, ah, something about it. It's just not sinking in. That's exactly what he's talking about. The word's getting preached to you, but if there's a hard heart that doesn't value it and honor it as the word of God, but just esteems it as man's word, it's not going to sink in. I might as well be standing here throwing seed at your forehead. It's not doing anything. And Jesus said, Satan comes immediately and steals that word. How was he so, how was it able to be stolen so easily? Because it didn't get in. Just laying out there on the surface. So Satan comes along and says, thank you very much. I'll take that. Therefore, it doesn't produce anything in your life. He went on and talked about stony ground. Now, stony ground is ground that's soft on top but it's got a layer of stone beneath it. So it's shallow. So whereas the other seed didn't penetrate, this does, it gets in 
And it even says it begins to spring up and bear fruit. But this person is somebody who hears the word, receives it with joy. Yes, amen, good word, good preaching. I like it, praise the Lord. But Jesus said immediately when persecution and tribulation arise because of the word's sake, they are offended. Offended. And he says it won't work in their lives. It withers away. Shallow reception, this is what God calls being offended. If you're easily offended, God calls that being shallow. He went on to talk about thorny ground. He said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things spring up like thorns and they choke out the word and it doesn't produce anything. No signs following that preaching. So what's being preached must be the word, but number two, the heart has something to do with whether or not that word produces anything in the life of the person that heard it. Are you tracking with me? Well, he said there's good ground. Well, what is good ground? By default, you know good ground is tender, soft, ground where the seed can penetrate. You know good ground is not easily offended. Good ground is ground in which you have cast all your care, all your worry, all your anxiety over onto him and you stay in faith and you refuse to believe what you see and what you feel. You choose instead to believe the word of God. You stay in that attitude and in that frame and that's good ground. And in that ground, that seed can take root, spring up, bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Amen. These are the signs. These are the signs that validate the word. They're not there to validate you. They're not there to confirm you. Look at what an amazing super Christian I am. I must have amazing faith. And it's not there to confirm you. The signs aren't pointing to you. The signs are pointing to the word. Look at how living and alive and powerful this word is. So that's where the glory should go, right? So Jesus preaches all of this. Now, what do you suppose is about to happen? He's been preaching the word. What would be the father's intent after Jesus preaches the word? Is it time to see some signs? Okay, well, let's read and see if we do. But I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice how hot on the heels of this preaching these signs come. Jesus has just preached everything I told you. Probably did a better job with it, but that's, that's all right. Now, if you skip down towards the end of this chapter, down around verse 35, what's the Bible say? On the same day. That's pretty quick, right? On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, Teacher, you don't even care that we're dying. But he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm, sign number one, on the same day, of the preaching of the word, instant peace, instant calm. What is that? Confirmation that everything this man just preached 
is the truth. Validation of his message. Sign number one. He spoke peace. Peace came. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the confusion. And peace came. Calm came. Hot on the heels of the preaching of the word. Now, they're in this boat on their way to the other side. These disciples, man, <laughs> they get caught in some stuff out on that water. If I was one of these guys, I'm not sure I'd ride in a boat ever again. Just like nearly dying in two plane crashes in one lifetime. That, that ain't cool. But they didn't die. Thank God Jesus was in the boat. So they get to the other side. And as soon, this is Mark chapter 5 now. As soon as they get to the other side. So what are we talking about? Hot on the heels of this sign number one, which was hot on the heels of the preaching of the word. They get over there. And this crazy, demon-possessed, naked man sees Jesus from afar, starts running at them. These guys are still, you know, shaking from nearly dying out last night out on the water. And next thing you know, they've got this demon-possessed man running straight at him. And Jesus casts the demons out of him. Can you sense some momentum building? What started with preaching resulted in peace, sign number one. Sign number two, some guy demon-possessed out of his mind, possessed with thousands of demons. Next thing you know, after Jesus casts it out, this man is clothed and in his right mind, carrying on an intelligent conversation with them. This is a sign, what? That the word is true. This is a sign pointing back to that message pointing back to the preaching of the word, validating the message. And you know what happened? Those demons begged Jesus, let us go to them pigs. Jesus said, fine, go to the pigs. And all those demons filled 2,000 pigs and those pigs ran down the hill and they drowned in the sea below. There's some stuff going on this day. I mean, these disciples woke up, what is it now, less than 24 hours ago and everything was normal? Listening to a guy preach, hmm, good message. <laughs> Little did they know they were about to see some stuff, man. Almost died in the middle of the sea until this man spoke and the wind and the waves obey him. And next thing you know, we think this crazy naked guy's going to kill us all, but now he's clothed in his right mind. What is going on? And out of that, Jesus goes, okay, let's get back in the boat. Be honest, if you're one of the 12, you're going, I'll walk around. I'm not getting back in a boat. It's going, no, come on, let's get back in the boat. Go back to the other side. Hot on the heels. They get to the other side. This is all same, still Mark chapter five. As soon as they get to the other side, there's a crowd waiting for them. And a man named Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, digs his way, plows his way through that crowd, comes and falls on his knees at Jesus' feet and says, my little daughter lies at the point of death, but if you come lay your hands on her, she will live. What a declaration of faith. And you can tell Jesus liked it because the next verse is, so Jesus went with him. Why? He follows faith. He goes where faith goes. And this man said, you do this, she will live. So he says, let's go. And he's on his way to Jairus' house and this crowd is thronging him and everybody's trying to get a hold of him. 
And all of a sudden, in the middle of this, Jesus goes, who touched me? Who touched me? Somebody touched me. And his disciples said, somebody, everybody. They all did. They're all trying to get a hold. He said, no, somebody touched me. And I'll add this, in faith. And power went out of me. And that woman, fearing and trembling, you know the story, she came down fell at his feet, found herself at the exact same place that Jairus was just a few minutes before at the feet of Jesus. Bible says telling him all the truth, everything that happened in her, how she had had this issue of blood for 12 years, was nothing better but only grew worse, spent all she had on doctors and medicine and nothing would help and heard about Jesus, heard Jesus was in town and faith comes by hearing and hearing that Jesus is in town. So she came and found him, plowed her way through that crowd, breaking every law. Oh, breaking every law. The law said, you're unclean, you can't be out here. But some supernatural law is about to supersede some natural law. So she plows through that crowd, reaches out, grabs a hem of his garment in faith, power hits that body, and six weeks later she was healed? Several months later? Well, the Lord healed her in sweet death. We hear this stuff? Instantly, immediately, that issue of blood was dried up and she was healed of that affliction. And when he said, somebody touched me, she said, it was me. <laughs> Told him everything. Told him everything. And while she's still talking, somebody from Jehira's house comes and says, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble this man anymore. And the first recorded words we have of Jesus... Speaking Jairus is when he turns to him and in my mind grabs him by the lapels of that expensive suit, <laughs> brings him in and says, do not be afraid, only believe. If you'll believe, what's he saying? He's saying, where's some momentum right now? 24 hours ago, I was just preaching the word. Since then, that message has been confirmed out on the sea. It was confirmed across the sea when the, that man was healed. It just got confirmed again when this woman was healed. And if you'll let it, yeah. if you'll let it, yeah. it'll be confirmed in you. Jairus says, okay. So they go to his house. Everybody's there crying, weeping, wailing. Jesus puts them all outside, which is good news. You can do that. Anybody not in faith with you? As you stand and believe God, you can very lovingly and politely say to them, you can wait out there. You can either get in faith or you can wait out there till I'm done. We'll talk again when I got the victory, but you can wait. I'm not having that. I don't got time for this unbelief. I don't have time for this weeping and this wailing and this doubt and this fear. I need people in faith with me. So he put them all outside. And the only people in the room, James and John, Peter, and the child's parents. And Jesus went up to her. Come on, feel this momentum. It just began less than a day ago with preaching. But the momentum is rising. And we've seen signs. We've seen wonders. We've seen miracles. Wonderful things that are all escalating. And now it's culminating into Jesus looking at this little girl. And he said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is to say, little girl, I say to you, arise. Eyes come open. Lungs filled with air. She's alive. Talk about momentum. From the preaching of the message to the raising of the dead. 
And all of it points back. And all of it is saying, listen to that word. That word is true. That word is real. That word is alive. Look what that word has done. Look what faith in that word has done. Faith in that word has calmed the seas. Faith in that word has delivered somebody from possession. Faith in that word has healed a woman from an incurable disease. Faith in that word has raised the dead. Momentum's building. It's building. It's building. And it's all pointing to the word. And then you get to chapter 6. And Jesus is in his own hometown. Think about the momentum he comes to town with. And the last thing that happened was the dead got raised. What could be next? Is there somewhere to go from here? Yeah, because he's the God of increase. Not the God of decrease, the God of increase. And whatever momentum has been building in his ministry... As it's culminating, and, and who knows what's about to happen next. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then, so this is hot on the heels of the raising of the little girl. Then he went out from there, came to his own home uh, country. His disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach. So he's preaching the word again. Now, if you couple this with Luke chapter 4, you know exactly what he was preaching. Luke chapter 4 tells us. You want to know what he preached that day? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to open the eyes, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are oppressed, to open prison doors, and to declare jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord. And Luke tells us that Jesus said today, anybody, was anybody here a few weeks ago when we got excited about today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing? What's that mean? There's power present. Coming out of this word, what's that mean? If there's anybody poor in this crowd, they don't got to leave that way. If there's anybody broken in that crowd, they can leave healed. Anybody blind in the house, they can leave with their sight. Anybody imprisoned, anybody held captive, you can walk out free. When? Six to eight weeks from now, God in his timing, his mysterious timing, or we can go with what the Bible says. Preach the word, signs confirm it. Today, it's fulfilled in your hearing. Oh man, is this getting anybody else excited about what we're about to see happen in this hometown? Are you ready for this? Oh, what happened? They listened to what he said, verse 2. They were astonished and they said, Where'd you get this? What wisdom is this which is given to him that these mighty works? Yeah, we heard about that raising the dead thing, huh? Yeah, we, we heard. Was it you with the demon possessed guy? Interesting. Where'd you get that? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Isn't this, um, this guy, he's familiar. Who is this? This is the carpenter. Oh, we know you. You're, uh, you're Mary's boy. 
Yeah, that's him. That's Mary's boy. Yeah, he just grew up down the street. The son of Mary. Your brother, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Oh, your sisters are right here. So they were offended. They were offended. Now, in the little time in ministry that Sarah and I have, what little experience we've been given, I can almost guarantee you that if you were to go to these people and say, you're offended, you know what they'd say? No, we're not. We're not offended. I'm not offended. I just want to know where he gets this. I just want to know where he gets off. Talking anointed. What are you talking about anointed? What do you mean? Today this is fulfilled? Yeah, right. Come on. We, we know the Messiah is coming. It ain't today. Why? It's Tuesday. Can't be today. Can't be you. Why? Because we know you. Because you're from here. Here's a revelation. Everybody's from somewhere. And yet that right there tripped them up which is literally what the word offended means, tripped. Now, when we're talking about momentum and acceleration and speed building, think about somebody on an Olympic track. And man, this guy, he's hauling, he's moving, he's out in front of everybody and he's winning this race and he's running faster than he's ever run before. But what if there's some rock out there in the middle of that track and somehow he misses it, doesn't see it, and he trips. Somebody help me. What happens to all that momentum he's built? Gone. Can you see that's exactly what happened to Jesus? He came into town with so much supernatural acceleration, so much supernatural momentum and yet their offense stopped it. Stopped it. This is what offense does. It stops, it kills momentum. Jesus said in verse four, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching. Think back to the message, the message, the Mark chapter four message. What was the message? Here are the things that keep the word from working. Number one, when the word falls on, on hard ground, where there's no understanding, where there's no honor. Where there's no honor for it, it can't produce. What did he just say? A prophet is not without honor. He came to sow some seed. He stood up there and he sowed seed to them. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach. And today, what he's anointed me to do can happen right here and now today. Listen to me. Poor, you don't got to walk out of here poor. Blind, you don't have to leave here blind. Brokenhearted, you don't have to leave here brokenhearted. You can leave healed and whole. If you're imprisoned, you can leave free today. If you're covered up under the burden and the bondage of debt, glory to God, I got a message of jubilee that'll lift that burden and free you of that debt. But instead of 
instead of believing it and receiving it, they questioned it and rejected it. And it was like throwing seed at somebody's forehead. Boom, boom. Produces nothing. No honor for it. No honor is a momentum killer. Whatever momentum the Lord has developed in your life and even over these last several weeks, we as a church that we've experienced together in here on a Sunday morning, if we are interested at all in seeing this increase instead of decrease, guess what's going to have to rise? Honor. More and more honor and reverence and value for the things of God. But here's the big one. They were offended. Offended. Offense is a momentum killer. God can be busy doing amazing things in your life. All of it confirming the word that's been preached to you. Signs, wonders, and miracles happening. And you've increased in every way, physically, financially, relationally. But if you let offense in, it's like being out on that track and stubbing your toe, getting tripped up and falling. And what happens to the momentum? It's gone. Offense is a trap. Offense is a trap. And if we want to see the momentum increase in your life personally, relationally, financially, if we want to see it increase in here, guess what we have zero time for? Offense. Offense. Now you're going to have to be on the guard for it. Because again, in just working with people for a few years now, we can see it. We recognize, hey, watch out. This is offense getting in. And they say, oh, no, no, I'm not offended. I'm just questioning. According to Jesus, it's the same stuff. Offense. I've never met anybody who says, you know what, dadgummit, I am offended. I am so offended. I am ultra mega offended at you. Because with offense comes deception. And you don't recognize it when you see it. And you think, oh, that could never happen to me. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, just before that, told his disciples, all of you are going to be offended because of me tonight. You know what Peter said? He said, let them all be offended, Jesus. I'll never be offended. I'll never be made to stumble. I'll never get tripped up. I'm with you. I'm following you. I'm hot on your heels, Jesus. Where you go, I go. He literally said it. If you die, I die. I'll die right there next to you. I'm with you. I'll never be offended at you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the sun comes up, bro, three times, you're going to deny me. No, 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 no. I'm with you. I'll never be offended at you. And you know what happened. The soldiers came. They arrested Jesus. And it says all of the disciples fled. They all, who were walking with him, following him, they all ran away. You know where Peter is? Let me read this to you. In Matthew chapter 26, we'll have it on the screen. It says in verse 56, all this was done that the scripture Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. All of it was pointing back to the word. 
Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Verse 55, but Peter followed him at a distance. What happened? Oh, I'm still following him. Just not as closely as I was before. That's offense. Peter would have denied, no, I'm not offended. I just don't really want to be seen with him right now because it's a dangerous thing to be associated with him right now. That's offense. The word offense means to distrust someone you should trust. And this is what Satan comes for. Because if he can get this into our lives, he can bring all God's momentum to a screeching halt. The same way it happened in Jesus' hometown. Everybody who heard him preach, anybody who was poor that day, who came into church poor, even though he preached, they still left poor. Anybody who came in blind, left blind. Everyone who came in brokenhearted, left brokenhearted. Because of offense. Offense. Who knows how many miracles they could have had hot on the heels of the raising of the dead? Are you kidding me? Everybody in that place, that whole town, that whole region, and yet the momentum came to a screeching halt. And it wasn't because God in his mysterious plan and his unknowable will and sovereignty decided not to heal people. Had nothing to do with any of that. That's not the word. Jesus preached the word and the word was and is today it's fulfilled. But instead of saying today, today, okay. Instead of that, they said, where do you get this? Hmm? Just questioning. This is how offense starts. Questioning. When you begin to take action towards somebody simply because you don't understand what's going on so, with a ministry leader or a spouse or whoever, you, you don't understand them. So because I don't understand, it can't be right. I don't understand you, therefore you're wrong. When you say it out loud, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? I don't understand, so you're wrong. <laughs> That's pride. That's arrogance. To think you must be wrong because I don't get it. Or, and it's a shot in the dark, maybe you just don't get it. Maybe there's something you don't understand that you should. These people just say, we don't understand. How could this be you? We know you. We know your family. And instead of believing and receiving, they questioned and rejected. And didn't, take, didn't get any benefit from the preaching of the word. I am determined. And I'm inviting you to join me in my determination to not be like that. To hear the word, believe it, receive it. And somebody says, you saying you understand all that? No, I don't understand all that. But it's coming out of the mouth of God. He can help me with what I don't understand. Be like that man who shouted at Jesus, I believe. Now help my unbelief. And evidently, that's a prayer he can answer because that man's son got healed. Amen. But as long as you're going, well, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't see how this could be. 
Uh-uh, I don't think so. That doesn't sound right. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Well, you'll never receive anything from that. Anybody want the word working? Come on, does anybody want the word working? I, I'm saying it now in Jesus' name. I'm looking at good ground. Are you good ground? Come on, let's stand up together. We are a church of good ground. What does that mean? People who hear the word and receive it. Let it penetrate the heart. Not hard-hearted, soft-hearted, tender-hearted. People who refuse to be offended. Now, I almost hesitate to preach this message to you. Why? Because when the Lord says, preach this, what do you know is coming? Hmm? Pastors, those in ministry, am I telling the truth? You preach at the direction of the Lord about, hey, be, be, be warned about offense. Guess what's coming? The opportunity to be offended. But if you're good ground, you just let that opportunity pass you by. And say, well, you know what? If I don't understand, the Lord can help me with that. If I don't understand, he can help me understand. Because I'd much rather be good ground. I'd much rather be the kind of ground that receives the word and hot on the heels of the preaching of the word. That word's confirmed. That word's validated. As your ministers, as your pastors, there is nothing, and I mean nothing more, that we want to see than the word working in your life. That's it. If somebody were to ask me, Pastor, what is your goal for the congregation of this church? That is it. Nothing higher than that. The word working. And nothing thrills me more. Nothing excites us more than these testimonies that come pouring in. Every one of them, one after the other, after the other, after the other. What are they validating? Oh, you must be great pastors. No! The word must be right. The word must be true. The word must be real. What do your glory stories say? They say the word is right. They say the word works. The word works. Say it. The word works. The word works. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the house of faith.